I believe the message today is going to speak to everyone. I believe it's a message that you can carry, that you can help others with. And uh, I just want you to open your heart, because sometimes when we hear certain things, we immediately, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard that before, you know, or we have this attitude of, oh, I know who needs that. And the whole time we're thinking about them and not about ourselves. I would love it if there was a giant mirror up there so I could say, find yourself and say, that's the person who needs the word. Amen. In other words, can just look at yourself and say, I need it. In fact, everybody say it with me. Say, I need it. Amen. I need it. I need it. Before I can help someone else, I, I got to be helped myself. Amen. Before I can help bless someone else, I have to be blessed myself. And so, We need to remember that when it comes to the Word. And there's nothing in the Word of God that should ever be boring. There's nothing in the Word of God that should ever be mundane because, well, I've heard that, I've heard that, I've heard that. When we get to that place, that means we've stopped listening. We're not growing. Because I don't know about you, I don't know everything. In fact, the closer I get to God, the more I realize how dumb I am. I'm serious. The the more I realize how little I really do know. I mean, I'm always growing. None of us have arrived. And so even when we get to heaven, I believe that that time period when the rapture takes place and we have some time in heaven, you know what I believe we're doing? I believe we're going to be in classrooms getting our doctrine straightened out. So when we do come back to the earth with Jesus, we'll know what we're talking about. There won't be any more of this, well, I'm a Baptist. Well, I'm a this. Well, I'm a that. No, we'll be, I'm with Jesus. Amen? There won't be any of this nonsense of all this other stuff. (laughs) And I really do believe that we'll have some teaching time, you know, and uh, get our doctrine straightened out, get everything going good and and being in the right direction and and come back. Amen? How many of you know we're not going to cease to be the body of Christ just because we went to heaven? Amen? Amen. All right, so let's get into what we're going to talk about. We're going to start a new series this morning. We're going to call it Real Love real love. And today we're going to look at, I titled the message today, what is true love? What is true love? Or I could say it this way, what is real genuine love? Because sometimes when we think of true love, (laughs) we can get all kinds of different thoughts in our heads. But I mean true love, real, genuine, the real thing. And uh, that's what we're going to look at today. You know, I believe everyone in the world is looking for love. Everyone. Everyone needs it. Everyone wants it. The problem is this. The problem is our understanding of love is the challenge. That's the issue. I mean, there's a lot of confusion in the world, but I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of confusion in the church as well regarding what is real, genuine love. What it is. You know, when you ask the question, what is true love? It can conjure up all kinds of thoughts in our mind. I mean, when I think of true love, you think of like true love's kiss. You can think of a bunch of Disney movies with the princesses. And they're always, you know, this true love's kiss and that kind of thing. Or there are tens of thousands of books and movies on love stories and romance and all these things that might contain the word love in them. Uh, music. There are hundreds of thousands of what we would call love songs on every style as far back as time goes. I mean, all kinds of things. Well, I went ahead just for fun and I got on the internet and I did a search, okay, on love and I looked for love in the title of famous songs, okay? Obviously, many of you can think of some, but it will give us a picture real quickly, okay? These are just generally worldly songs, you know, secular songs. And uh, so, for example, Steve Winwood sang of higher love. And uh, some of you might remember Captain and Tennille, they sang of what? They sang, love will keep us together. Unfortunately, they didn't stay together. They got divorced. There are some more song titles like, for example, Love is a Battlefield, and Love Hurts, Love Stinks, (laughs) Is This Love, (laughs) What is Love, The Glory of Love. And then there were some other ones. Now, so far it sounds confusing. It's like all over the place, you know. How about the Beatles, All You Need is Love. Again, they broke up and there was a bunch of lawsuits involved. Apparently, they weren't walking in the own song. 
Selena Gomez sang Love You Like a Love Song. Whatever that means. According to Phil Collins, you can't hurry love. Robert Palmer sang that he was addicted to love. And foreigners sang, I want to know what love is. And this is all over the place, isn't it? But I think the song that sums it up best is looking for love in all the wrong places. (laughs) I really do believe, guys, I really do believe that people in this world are sick of the fake. I believe, I really do believe the young people in this world that sometimes we, we, we look at, every generation looks at the generation younger to them and picks on them. You know, oh, they're lazy, they're going to do this. But I really do believe that everyone, and especially sometimes younger people that seem to be pushing, even though they're going in the wrong direction, they're looking for something. They're looking for something that is real. They're looking for something that is genuine. In fact, why do you think a lot of people are leaving the church, especially young people? They're sick and tired of fake. They're sick and tired of what they perceive as this religious process and this religious mechanism. In other words, they don't have a real, genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus. And there's a lot of Christians, even though they are born again and they do have the ability for a fellowship with the Lord, don't. They just go through the motions. These young people look at them and they don't see anything changed in their life. They're doing exactly what everybody else does. They're watching the same stuff. They're laughing at the same jokes. They're reading the same books. They're they're doing everything exactly the same. How do they even tell it apart? And so they look at that and say, here you are. You go to church, blah, blah, blah. You say you do this, blah, blah, blah. But I don't see anything in your life saying it changed. How many believe that we should see some things in our life changed? That I'm not the same person I was. What does the Word of God say in 2 Corinthians 5.17? That I'm a new creation and all things have passed away. That means there ought to be some evidence in my life over a period of time that I'm not the same person as I was. So we wonder sometimes why people think that it's fake. The reality is, is it looks fake. Now there is something real that might have happened in their life, but they're not, how should I say it, they're not feeding the fire. They're not really living it. They're not really passionate. You get in a conversation with me, I promise you, somewhere in that conversation, we're going to start talking about the Lord and we might start off talking about boats. Now, why is that? Because the thing that is I'm full of in my heart eventually leads my mouth. I can't help it. I just can't help it. I mean, I've had friends that way that were just on fire for God. We could be talking about any arbitrary thing, but in, give us 10 minutes. <laughs> And that conversation is going to lead right back to the Lord. It's going to come right back somehow. And you're going to say, how in the world did we get from here to there? I've actually had friends of mine that, that weren't on fire for God or people I know, you know, relatives. And they're like, why is it every time we get around you, no matter what we talk about, we end up talking about the Lord? What is wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with me. The question is, what's missing in your life? You know, I'm okay. But you ought to be accused of that. There ought to be something in your life saying, well, I'm different. And then there are others who fake it. What I mean is they make it look good on the outside, but really nothing's changed on the inside. They just have a good appearance. You know, it's like sometimes what we do before church, you know, we could be fighting and arguing, yelling, and then we come in, hi, praise the Lord. (laughs) Everything's good. You know, that isn't that your wife is like, this isn't the way it was in the car 10 minutes ago. I mean, anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> you know. But you, what I'm saying is, everybody say this with me. Say, life is real. Come on. Life is real. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things. The thing is, we forgive, forget, and go on. Amen? We don't live there, praise God. I don't know about you. I want the real thing in my life. I don't want fake. I want the real thing. And I want to be able to live the real thing so that someone sees it in my life. And they say, I want what you got I want what you got. Not me just as a preacher, as a dad, as a friend. Amen? I want someone to say, as a stranger, I want them to say, I got, I want what you have. You have something different than I have, and I want it. Amen? That should be all of our hearts. But the fact is, I do believe this. Even when we were looking at all these songs, everybody's everywhere. In other words, 
I really believe that they're searching for the truth. They want the truth because they're empty. There's things in life that fill that emptiness, that fill that, that emptiness. It's an illusion. It looks like love or it appears like love or a feeling, but it's a fake. It's an illusion. It's not real. It never lasts. And I believe there's an emptiness in everyone until they receive that fullness of the thing that we're talking about. But because of this emptiness and people's hearts, again, they've turned to other things that seem like love. In other words, it's fake, it's illusion, but it seems real to them, and they keep on pursuing it. You think back in the days before you received the Lord, the things that you would do over and over, and find, why, why do I continue doing this? It doesn't help, but you continue doing the same thing, the same patterns, the same, the same ways. I really do believe what this is, this false love, okay, and I want you to listen closely, this false love they fill their lives with is really lust, okay? Now, the first thing that most of you think of when you think of lust, oh, you mean like dirty lust, you know? No, it's not what I mean. If you look up the word lust, what it means is it can be defined as a strong desire for something. For example, my wife makes the best chocolate cream pie on the planet. Learn from the master herself, my old pastor's wife, all right? And she taught her she can make it and make it good. I mean, everything is homemade from scratch, everything. And it's just a work of beauty. I can lust after that. What does that mean? I have a very strong desire to have another piece. And another piece, all right? And so what I'm saying is lust is a strong desire. But here's the thing about lust. It's typically a desire for something that feels good. It's a desire for something that feels good, tastes good, looks good. It has some sort of feeling connected to it, okay, that makes you feel better. The problem is this. It's only a temporary fix. And soon the emptiness comes right back again. Like that pie, I can eat myself sick, okay? But I can convince myself while I'm eating it, it's worth it. (laughs) Then afterwards, you know, why did I eat all that pie? You know, well, lust took over. I let my flesh rule me and it felt good. It tasted good. It met some sort of need in me. And I took it and then I paid the price for it on the other side of it. And the reality is you can look and say, it's just a piece of pie. Why was it such a big deal? Now think of anything else in life and put it in place of the pie. You really can think of there's so many things that can pull us that we want. Now, here's the deal. Like we said, it's not real. It's a fake. It doesn't last. It's a temporary high, if you will. It it temporarily feels good. Um, You can take someone who's maybe broke. And they say, you know what, I deserve to do some shopping, even though they're already broke. So they take another piece of plastic and they go out and spend a few hundred dollars. And then they're like, oh, it felt so good doing it. But then afterwards, it doesn't feel so good, does it? I know 30 days later, when you see the bill, ouch, man, was that really worth it? You know, no. Y'all know what I'm talking about. No, look at me like, I don't have a clue what you're talking about, Pastor. In some fashion or form, we've all been there. Now, listen. There are people that go from one relationship to another looking for a feeling of love. And when they lose that feeling of love, that sense there, they move on to the next relationship. They shed people like an outfit. And, you know, I don't know how anybody can have a real relationship if through high school they've already gone through five or six. I don't think that's healthy. I think what what someone has learned when they go from boyfriend, 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 and every time it just doesn't feel right, they shed them and go for someone else. You know what they've learned? They've learned a pattern here that all I have to do is when things aren't feeling right, I take you off like a coat and put another one on. Well, how can you learn to have a real good, genuine relationship if you're only going by how it feels? That's one reason why relationships themselves should never be based on sex and sex alone. Not that, that, that you should be based on sex till after marriage, but what I'm saying is that confuses things. The reality is, is, is if you've lived any time, you know, yeah, sex is good. Yeah, sex feels good, but it's, it's a temporary thing. You know, it just comes and goes. It's, it's, uh, I could go a lot of places there. I'm not going to go right now. 
But my point is this, is that if you base your marriage on it, you're doomed. It's going to change. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, don't raise your hand. <laughs> All right, listen. There are people who also fill the emptiness in their life with food. And what I mean is they know it's hurting their body, but that feeling, listen carefully, that feeling of temporary comfort makes them feel better. And they can excuse what they're doing away. And they can do all kinds of really bad things to their body. Then there are others that turn to other harder things, we might say. Things like drinking, drugs, uh, smoking, sex. And it doesn't end there. People uh, can take anything in excess. Anything. I mean, you can take someone with video games. And (laughs) it, it may not be drugs, but to them it might as well be. They're on it all the time. They can't stop. It's all they're thinking about. Humans have this amazing ability to take anything and push it to excess. We really have a hard time staying in the middle of the road. We just, that's just our nature. It's just the flesh. It just wants what it wants. You know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, in about an hour now, if I were to keep on yakking, all you'd be thinking, my stomach is talking to my head saying, what is the problem here? You know, why is he still talking? I should be eating now, you know, or on my way to eating, you know. And if we wait and wait and wait, you know, it gets louder and louder and louder. You know, we want what we want when we want it. Part of that is saying I'm an American (laughs) and I have what I want when I want. And praise God, we live in a nation that you can. Amen. But at the same time, we still need to have some self-control over that. Praise God that we're blessed. Amen. Anyway, my point is this, is that we can take anything in excess and push it to try to meet a need. Our whole planet's that way. Everybody on it is trying to find something that fills their life with peace. The problem is that none of these artificial things can do it. Nothing meets that void. And there's some that take that to the excess because they're that empty on the inside. We need to remember that, guys. That when you're at the mall, that when you're shopping, that when you're about your, your, your job and people look happy on the outside, think of yourself and at a point in time in your life that maybe they're screaming on the inside for help. Everybody always says this when they talk about someone that committed suicide. What do they say? No way. I knew them. They were happy. They were doing this and that. They never expected it. Why? You don't know what's inside someone's heart. You don't know where someone is. And they can look good on the outside, but they're dying on the inside. And we have a hard time asking for help. You ever notice that? You don't, you proud thing. Boy, I ought to have heard a bunch of amens on that one. Everybody say Amen. You don't like to ask anybody for help. Why? Shows your weakness, especially men. Can't show I'm weak. Can't show that there's a real issue. Can't show that I'm I'm dying on the inside, screaming for help, and yet I, I gotta I gotta be cool. Gotta be macho. Gotta be tough. You know. And then a mom thinks I gotta be mom. I gotta be cool. I can't crack. I can't fall apart. And then people are doing all kinds of crazy things. You know, taking all kinds of stupid drugs and things to kind of mask things to cover things not right not right amen we don't have to have that everything the world offers as we mentioned is just temporary it just makes us forget the emptiness inside whatever it might be it could be entertainment guys it's just it, we're trying to forget and not think about what's really going on in our life not really meeting that need and the only thing that'll meet that need is real genuine true love that's the only thing that'll do it and so what i want to ask today I want to look at what is true love, all right? What is that? Uh, I believe it's found in God and God alone. True love, real love, is what motivated God to pursue us. So look with me, John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It's a real familiar verse. In fact, it's probably one of the most popular verses in the New Testament. Even people that aren't Christians know, oh yeah, yeah, I know about that verse. Uh, that's the one I see in Christmas cards sometimes, you know, or, or whatnot. John three sixteen. you can look at it on the screen with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Now, I want to look at this a little bit closer, okay? And again, this is what I mean when I say sometimes we see something so familiar. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know that, you know. But we don't know everything about it. For God so loved the world. Just stop right there. All right, say it with me. For God so loved the world. Now, let's just stop right there. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. Now, let's take away the world and let's say us, okay? Because it's about people, all right? It's not about the planet, okay? I mean, yes, God cares about the planet. Why? We're on it, okay? But it's not about the physical earth. It's about you and me, okay? It's about us. So when we think about it, for God so loved us, for he so loved us, he so loved us. I want you to look at that word so is there. He so loved us. He was so overwhelmed with love. Love so motivated him. He so desired to meet our need because of love that he gave his only begotten son. That is a huge, huge thing. How many of you would give up your child for any reason? For anyone? And yet here he is, God himself. Now think about it. Could not have God gone many different ways? I mean, he made Adam and Eve and they messed things up. All right. He could have said, you know what? Let's get the eraser out and just ship, 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 ship. Let's start over. Could he have? We might have. (laughs) That's how we might have approached it if we were God. What I'm trying to say is, God even knew. Remember, what is Jesus? Now, when you think about this, Jesus is the Lamb slain. Anybody remember the rest of that? Before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world. Did you see that? He was the Lamb slain. He was the sacrifice before the foundation of the world. Did God already knew what even Adam would do. Now, he didn't want it that way, right? Could they have changed things? They have, an, they have their own will. God warned them. Adam, if blank, 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 you know, will happen, all right? So he gave them access to everything. He said, this one thing is what I ask of you. One thing, right? And yet, God knew the result of what would happen if he did it. But he did it anyway. Wouldn't some of you think, well, if I knew all that was going to happen, I'd just say, yeah, it isn't worth going through the pain and the effort. But God, listen to me, (laughs) so loved you. He so loved you. He would do anything to pursue you. He wanted a relationship with you. He wanted to know you. He wanted to fellowship with you. He wanted to know you as a person so much that he would do anything, anything, totally motivated by pure love. Not pity, not pity, but pure love. He wanted us so bad, he wanted a relationship with us. And so we see, for God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. Now, what I want to do is let's look at a little closer at this verse. That word loved. Everybody say loved. Now, it doesn't say love. It says loved. Okay? Loved. All right? There's a difference there, and I'll show you. In the Greek, that word there, many of you might say, oh, I know that word. That's going to be agape. And it's not true. (laughs) It's going to be agapo. (laughs) Agapo. All right? That's the verb. The noun is agape. All right. So what I'm trying to say here is for God so loved the world. What it's saying here is this is an action. He's doing something. I want you to see that he is not just talking. He is doing something. All right. Love is an action. In this case, that word means unconditional love. All right. Unconditional love. 
It's a love by choice, by an act of will. All right? That's the love that he's displaying towards us. This unconditional love, I want you to see something. This unconditional love means that there are no conditions that have to be met. Nothing whatsoever. In other words, he, this is what God is saying to you and me and to everyone. God is saying, I love you whether you respond to me or not. I love you. But he didn't just say it in words. What did he do? He pursued us in action regardless of our response. Regardless of our response. He didn't just say, I love you, and let's just see what happens. <laughs> see how they respond to that. He just simply chased us. He just simply pursued us, and he did it whether we respond to him or not. Most of us are familiar with conditional love. Most of us are familiar, whether we realize it or not, without saying it, we live it. If you'll love me, I'll love you. You know, that's how a lot of husbands and wives get together. Well, do you love me? Okay, well, I love you back because you love me. But if you ever stop loving me, it's over. And see, that's not the, that's not the God love. That's not real genuine love. Do you see that? This, this unconditional love has no conditions whatsoever. Let me say it this way. God's love or true love needs no response. It doesn't need anything back from anybody. He just decided, I'm going to love you, and I pursued you whether you do anything or not. In other words, God made a decision to love you. Now this agapo, this true love, listen to this statement, this agapo love, this love in action, okay, will never seek or desire anything but the highest good for others. Anything. No matter what someone might do or how they might react. God wants the best for you if you tell him, go to hell. He still loved. In fact, he gave his son for you no matter how you would reply to it. <laughs> I mean, that is a high love, God. That is a love almost too hard for the human mind to comprehend. And that is the love, of course, that's in us when we receive him. Unconditional love. Many in relationships, this is what they do. Many in relationships are looking for a feeling, a chemistry, something that happens. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Puppy love? Remember that first girl or guy, you know, and you just thought, what is going on with me? Well, you're having a bunch of chemical reactions is what's really happening, okay? I mean, there's a bunch of things going on, hormones involved, and, and all these things are happening. But how many would agree that that wasn't real love? No, why? Because <laughs> uh, I'm looking at this one. Oh, I can't live without this. Woo. <laughs> Look at that one. You know, and oh, look at that one. You know, <laughs> you ever see? There's a cartoon my wife and I always pick on squirrel. You know, like you're distracted. You know, I'm talking about dog. I got a squirrel. You know, and she's looking over there. Ah, oh, you have to be on inside. You know. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is we can get easily distracted by something. You know, or a feeling. All right. But the fact is this: that God, when it comes to all this, there is no. There doesn't have to be any affinity. There doesn't have to be any chemistry. There doesn't have to be some connection for him to love you. He just made a decision. I love you, period. No matter what you do or don't do. We don't have to do anything. If we never react, if we decide, nope, I'm still choosing hell. I'm going that way. I love you. I love you, even in hell. I love you. And, and he didn't just say the words, see, because we hear that a lot. Well, I love you. I love you. I love you. He didn't just, for God so loved the world, what did he do? Did he get a bullhorn that everybody in the planet could, I love all of you! Could he have? He could have spoken this great cloud, you know, got everybody together in one area. I love you, thus saith the Lord. But see, he didn't do that. What did he do? He said, I love you, so I have to do something about it. i got, I got to fix this. i got to get you back to me. I, I want to do everything I can to save you. That's love. 
Not just words. In fact, there are some words in here, but (laughs) mostly action. Action. I want you to think about that when you think of real, genuine love. Action. In fact, say that with me. True love. Action. Action. Real love. Always think the two together. Always think them together. They're not separate. They're not, well, I'll act if someone responds. That's not love. I'm going to act no matter what you do. No matter what you do. All right, let's look a little closer here. So let's put it this way. God loves you, and that's it, right? God loves you. He loves you. Now, I want you to listen on, as on an individual level, okay? Listen to what I'm saying. See, I'm listening, Pastor. All right, because I, I don't want to get so lost in this that we kind of, you know, your, your thoughts start traveling. Listen carefully. This is what God is saying to you, all right? God loves you, and that's it. He loves you. He knows everything about you. He knows your innermost thoughts and desires. He knows what you will do and everything you have done, and He loves you anyway, even if you never respond to Him. Do you realize that there would never be another divorce if we would just walk in that kind of love? Just think about that for a minute. Could there? (laughs) Boy, it's quiet. Serious, guys. If we walked in that level of love, it, that's the end of that. You know, end of it. But the, the question is, people walking in that level of love. True love is God's love for us. A love that loves without limits. See, we, we would do this. Um, we would draw a line. <laughs> I'll love you, but don't cross that line. And we might move the line a couple of times. I love you. Even a mother's love, guys, it's a strong, strong love. Still has limits. It will only go so far. It will only say, that's it. That's enough. I'm done. I've gone as far as I can go. See, God's love has no limits. There are no lines. There, you, you can push and push and push and push. Why? Because he made the love you. It's not, he, he made a decision to love you. It's not based on how you respond to it. You see that? Do you realize how, many, how that would change our relationships if we'd walk in that love? Because we're not waiting for a response. We're not waiting for, I did good things for you. Isn't that where a lot of marriages are about? You know, we don't say the word brownie points, but it's like we're trying to earn them. You know, well, I did the last four things, you know, the nice things. I thought about it and I did these things and we'll bring them up, you know. Boy, you guys are so quiet. Listen, I've been married long enough to know that this kind of stuff goes on in some fashion or form. The reality is, is that we, we need to understand that we're not really walking in the love of God when we do that, that we're walking in a lower love. Now, as I mentioned earlier, God loves you, period. That's the end of it, without requiring a response. And people are looking for love, as the song went, in all the wrong places. They're looking for something that can never meet that need. The love that our heart desires, the love that will fill the emptiness of the human heart, the love that fills us with peace and purpose, the true love is the love of God and the love of God only. Let me give you an illustration. Years ago, a friend of mine was at work and he was on his lunch break and he was reading his Bible and it happened to be an amplified Bible. And he was reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13, commonly called the love chapter. And uh, a female co-worker walked by and asked, you know, what, what are you reading there? And he's, he said, oh, I'm reading the love chapter. So she's thinking like a romance novel or something like that. She said, oh, read me some, you know. And so he starts reading. And he read this, 1 Corinthians 13, we'll begin with verse 4. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love is never envious, nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it and pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rather rejoices when right and truth prevail. 
Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. At the beginning of verse 8, love never fails. Never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Well, when he had finished, she said, that was beautiful. What was the book that you were reading? And he said, it's the Bible, God's Word. And she's like, that's the Bible? She didn't grow up in church or anything like that. And so she kind of looked over the words over his shoulder and was reading him again. And she's like, man, those are beautiful words in the Bible on love. And she began to think about it for a moment. And she said, you know, uh, she commented to him on her live-in boyfriend. And she said, you know, he doesn't treat me that way. As she's reading this, and uh, she realizes, wait a minute now, as she reads more and more and more, he doesn't love me this way. He He doesn't deal with me this way. And uh, yet he's saying all the time how he loves her. And the next day, she came to work and told her friend that when she got home, she opened the Bible <laughs> to her boyfriend and, and read out loud these things and, uh, and looked at him and said, you're not patient with me. You're not kind to me. In fact, you're always thinking of yourself. You're selfish all the time. You're, you're, not, you're always thinking of yourself first. And she began to compare the relationship to what she saw in those verses and looked at him and said, I really don't believe you love me, at least not God's way. And so I think we ought to end things and you ought to move out. And, you know, she made a decision. She realized, listen carefully, she realized that she wasn't fulfilled in life. There was something missing in her life, that true love, that God kind of love. She realized that lust, not real love, was the motivator in that harmful relationship. In other words, there was always this need. There was always something missing. And it, always, it was always about the temporary feelings. You understand that? That is what we're describing is all over the world. That is everybody walking all the time. Sometimes even a Christian. Even a Christian can be filled with the love of God, but not ever exercise it, not ever do anything with it, and they feel empty. Why? Because they're walking out of fellowship with the Lord. They're disconnected from the love of God. The only true peace comes from that. So my question real quickly this morning is, how can we know what true love is if someone's giving it to us or we're giving it out? How can we know for sure what true love looks like? All right. Well, first of all, as I mentioned, love is an action. It's not mere words. Did you hear that? Love, say it again. Love is an action. So it's very important that we keep on remembering that love is an action. These things that we read are what? Actions, right? It's like a, a characteristic list, you know? It's like not a description, but these are actions. Patience is what? An action. Being kind is an action. Seeking someone else's needs first before your own is an action. And so we're seeing that love is an action Let me say this, words are good, but love is displayed through action. Now let me show this to you. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, again, remember John 3, 16, 17, okay, what God did when He loved us. Romans 5, 8 in the Weymouth says, but God gives proof of His love to us in Christ dying for us while we were still sinners. How did He show His love? How did he demonstrate his love? Through action. Through action. He pursued us. Listen, how many of you can say thank you when Jesus was here giving his life for us? How many? No one? You mean to tell me you weren't here? You couldn't have said thank you? In fact, you didn't know he existed. You were born and didn't know he existed. You lived a good portion of your life and didn't know what he did. Some of you, a lot of your life and didn't know what he did, yet he did it anyway. He pursued you. He loved you so much. He did it anyway. Now think about this for just a moment. When we think about what this verse says, for God gives proof of his love to us and Christ dying for us while we were still sinners. All right. Now think about this for a moment. The father gave his son to die for us without any response from us or anybody else. Any. 
In fact, we were unthankful, unholy, deserving of death. I mean, you deserve to go to hell. (laughs) Now think about it. We might have shouted out with the rest of them, crucify him. And don't say, oh, I would never have done that. (laughs) You don't know what you would have done in those given situations. What makes you think you would have believed in Jesus? And even those, some of them who did believe in Jesus, still, for whatever reason, got deceived and yelled out, crucify him. Even though they saw the good works Jesus did, they still said, crucify him, which didn't even make any sense. Think about it for a moment. I mean, when they came to get him in the garden, remember Peter? Whips out his sword and cuts Malchus's ear off. His ear off. And Jesus, oh, Peter, cool your jets, picks up the ear, heals it on the spot, puts it back on, and they still drag him away. Now, how many right there? Hmm. Or when they said, um, remember, are you Jesus? And he said, I am. And they all fell into the power of God. Wouldn't you be thinking, something's odd about this? (laughs) I mean, right? How many know you can be deceived right in the middle of seeing something obvious? We read that all over the Old Testament. I mean, they can see all these miracles, signs, and wonders, and yet still, you know, did you bring us in the desert to die? (laughs) You know, after miracle, after miracle, after miracle, you know? My point is this, is that we would have yelled, crucify him. Maybe you would have spit on him. Maybe you would have beaten him and whipped him. Technically you did. Your sin did. But the reality is is that he still gave his life. Do you realize that? That the guys that, that whipped him and ripped his flesh right off his body, he loved them. What did he say on the cross? Father, forgive them. They didn't know what they were doing. Gosh, that love is just, it's almost unbelievable. It's just like, you can still love them. When he could have said, that's it, I'm done. You know, remember he said in the garden, I could have called legions of angels and wiped out the planet. I mean, he could have, but he didn't. He kept his eye on the prize. What was the prize? You and you and you and you and you. And that love motivated him. That real, genuine love. That's real love. Real love. So, the thing that we need to ask in our own life, and then of course, the lives of the people that we talk to, somebody might say, well, how do I get this true love? How can I live in this love? Well, this is where, again, most of you, I already know, you're born again, you're you're filled with the life of God, but how can you share this with someone else? Well, remember John 3, 16 and 17, how simple that was. That Jesus came to save us by becoming sin that was separating God from man and man from God. Now we could say it this way, considering we're talking about love. Listen closely. Jesus came to save us from sin that was separating man from God's love. Because God's love is life. It is God. Remember, who is God? God is is love and that's why we can't be fulfilled without him our creator our god who created and designed mankind man made us in his image in his likeness we are like him he is a spirit and we are spirit beings and he is love and man without love is empty man without love is searching and looking for something that fulfills that or seems like it for a moment. And that fulfillment is Jesus Christ. He is love, come in the flesh. Jesus has come, He paid the price for our sin by becoming sin Himself. By doing this, He gave us the right, the Bible says, to become children of God. Jesus is the gift of God to everyone. All we have to do is believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and call upon Him to receive that free gift. Now, many of you know this, but you need to be reminded of it because you need to go out and share it. Amen? And that's part of what we're we're sharing today is, is you need to remember what's really going on in people. Even though they look brave on the outside, listen to your spirit. Allow the Spirit of God to lead you because many times in my life I would look at someone and they seem too hard to reach. 
And they were the very person the Lord wanted to reach. They're the very person. The Lord knows the hearts of people. He knows what's going in, and He can give you the right words to penetrate that. But see, it isn't just going to be in words. It's going to be in action. It's going to be in action. I'll give you an example. Pat's uh, sister, Barbara, okay, the one that sits over there in a the wheelchair, a little while ago when we were coming in, the reason Barbara's not here is her daughter is in Oklahoma City, and she brings her. All right. They live right close to each other. She picks her up, gets her in the car, you know, brings her here and helps her get out and so on and so forth. And and so uh, these two, Forrest and Clara, said, well, hey, uh, if, if there's a time Trish isn't here, her daughter, let us know. We'll come by and pick her up. And then, you know, Pat here said, well, it's kind of inconvenient, you know, but see, isn't that what love is all about? <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Love is is doing the inconvenient. Love is an action. Me saying, oh, Barbara, I love you so much. Oh, I love you. I, I, I just want you to know how much I love you, but I, I, I can't be inconvenienced. <laughs> then I really don't love her. Do you see that? Love is being inconvenienced, you know? So make sure you let Barbara know that, Pat. <laughs> and that includes you on a snowy day or an icy day. You don't have to get in your car. All you have to do is call us. Amen? And, well, then you got to just take him up on it. And he'll meet you at the door so you don't slide anywhere. You know? But what I'm trying to say, if he's got to carry you, he'll do it. You know? Right, Will? You know? My point is this, is that we do what we do. Why? Because we love. You know, there's an expression that don't, don't share certain things. Don't tell people how much you care until you show them. You understand? Then people will start listening. You know, Jesus did what? I want you to think about this. Jesus did what with people? <laughs> he would heal the sick, right? Set them free. And then they'd listen to the gospel, right? He'd share some things and he would do that and he would draw the crowd. I mean, he couldn't go anywhere without people following him. Why? Because he was living it. The disciples, hey, Jesus, come on, let's take a break. Let's, let's settle down. We're hungry. And Jesus <laughs> was moved with compassion. He's like, guys, a little later, why don't you serve them and get some food? You know, he wasn't willing to just walk away. You understand what I'm saying? In fact, when they were hungry and they needed it, even though their needs, their, their spiritual needs were met and their, their physical as far as healing were met, they were still hungry and he didn't want them walking away, passing out. And so he's like, meet the need, take care of it. In other words, Jesus cares about every part of us, amen? But he didn't just say those words, he did it with action. And so when you're sharing what we're talking about today with someone else, and you're sharing the love of God, show someone how simple it is to receive that gift. In, John, in Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love that scripture because it's so simple. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's many people, guys, who got to heaven like this. They cried out Jesus on their deathbed, and they, I'm here. <laughs> I mean, they were just as surprised as anybody else. Why? Because they didn't. They weren't born again before, and they cried out, Jesus, right as they were in the car crash, right as they were on their deathbed, right as that last second. But what does the Bible say? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, they believed in their heart, and they cried out to Jesus. Boom. Don't make it some religious thing. Don't make us, we must pray and get on our knees. Don't make all these religious rules. You just see, you just cry out to Jesus right now, and he'll receive you. That's it. You know, and pray for him first. Let God, let the healing power of God move through you. You'll reach a lot more people if they, if they start talking. Oh, yeah, man, I got this pain here. Here, grab their hand. In the name of Jesus, Father, we just thank you that you'd show yourself good to them right now. And I release that anointing in Jesus' name. That pain you leave now in Jesus' name. Not some prayer. Oh, God, would you do something in their life to show them that you're real? You know? That's a fake religious blah, blah, blah. Just tell that thing where to go. And I'm telling you, God's looking for you to do it. He's sitting there saying, if you'll just do it, I'll show my power mighty. What did he do with Moses? He wanted to show off. Why? The rest of the world would hear it. But you gotta, you got to be bold. you got to just not worry about, well, what if it doesn't work? Oh, dear Lord. So you really don't trust the Lord. 
Listen to me. <laughs> it's going to work. You know, and it will work to the level that they need it right then. What I mean is if they need a super shock and all of a sudden they're like, wow, man, I felt that. God will do it if that's what they need. You understand? I remember praying for a young man here. His ears, he couldn't hear. And he, he, we, I prayed for him. And on his way home, he just left and he called me right back. I can hear, Pastor, I can hear. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> That's what I expected. <laughs> I wasn't surprised, but he was shocked. I mean, he was like, wow, it worked. You know, and that's what a lot of people are. Holy cow, that's real. Now, once you say it's real, now you have an open door to say, how would you like to receive Jesus today? And you get that open door right there. Amen? But just be bold. Romans 10, 9, 10. You know this. I like this in the New Living Translation. I don't want to get, to get religious and say it has to be the King James. You know, the New Living. Look at this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. Isn't that simple? That is just simple, simple, simple. That easy. And you just confess that with them. It's, it's that simple. Now, once you receive Jesus, the gift of God, you become that new person in Christ. The old person dies. And the very life and love of God moves inside you and transforms you. And all of you can testify to this in 1 John 3.14. In the NIV, it says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Amen? Anyone who does not love remains in death i know that i'm born again how do i know because i know i passed from death to life i can't help it it's just like the love of god even people who irritate me and boy there's plenty anybody know what i'm talking about even somebody who wronged me did bad to me i mean really hurt me there's something in me that just i can't hate them i'm mad i'm teed i i i, I, I but I can't hate them. I can't. And sooner or later, and sooner is better than later, I gotta forgive them. I gotta let it go. I, I gotta. I just. I just gotta let it go. I mean, and and it, you all know what I'm talking about, don't you? You can't hold on to unforgiveness. I can't do it. I don't feel good on the inside. You know when that emptiness comes back in your life? That's because you're holding unforgiveness. You're disconnected from that life of God, and so you're temporarily not, not getting fed like you were, and it just doesn't feel. You feel like the old man. You don't feel right. Something, as my old pastor used to say, the bird quits singing on the inside. It just, I don't feel joyful anymore. I don't feel free anymore. And all i got to do is to feel free is what? Walk in that love again. Just forgive and forget. Amen? Did you get anything out of this this morning? I want to encourage you guys to meditate on, on the scriptures that we talk about. Uh, pursue it. You know, the Bible says at the end, going into 1 Corinthians 14, but at the end, it says pursue love. Everybody say it with me. Pursue love. And in other words, what the scripture is saying is pursue this kind of love. Pursue this. You know what that means? That means put effort into it. Get it in you. Meditate on those scriptures. Ask yourself, have I been acting this, you know, have I been acting appropriately? Uh, have I been have I been taking care of, of the way I've been treating people, especially my brothers and sisters in Christ? It's important. You know, when we get into communion, and in communion, um, there's a part in there where we're supposed to, you know, check our heart and how we've been dealing with things. Many people are looking for sin in their own life. What you should be doing is looking at how have you been treating the body? How have you been treating the body? How have you been treating one another? How have you been treating your spouse?